Hey, what's up, everyone? Sam Shaw here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I'm here today with another fine interview for you guys. Really excited about this one today. Um, I've got Kelly on with me. Uh, Kelly is honestly one of the sharpest dudes I've ever worked with. And, uh, you know, it's been really fun working with him. And uh, he's just wrapped up his recruiting process, was super successful, got multiple offers from some of the top shops and top groups out there. And so I, I definitely want to get him on here to talk to you guys about his experience a little bit, shed some light on how he was able to do what he did, talk a little bit about his mindset, and hopefully um, just help you guys walk away with some takeaways that are going to help you in your own recruiting process as well. So Kelly, I want to thank you for taking time to be on here with us. Sam, well, thank you. A really, really huge pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. So to start off, uh, if you don't mind, maybe just introducing yourself a little bit, giving people kind of like a high level view of Sure. What type of candidate you are your profile so they can kind of relate mm -hmm. and hey, how similar is this guy to me? Or maybe you're not similar at all, but why don't you introduce mm -hmm. yourself a little bit? Yeah, no, happy to. Yeah. So, you know, it's quick about me. Um, I'm a business a business and finance major at a target school right now. Um, really, you know, have always been focused on breaking into investment banking. Specifically, I was always interested in sort of the focus of kind of technology and finance. I, you know, given that where our world's going, the digitization of the world, I really saw technology being the forefront of where we're headed. And so that was a lot of my focus throughout the recruiting process, really being at the intersection of tech and finance, knew that investment bank, it would be a great place for me to get a super great training ground, um, set myself apart and really build up the skills that I need to open my doors up to any facet of, of the business world. Um, and just have always tried to have a really, you know, um, judicious as well as gritty and, and, and hustle focused mindset as I've gone through this entire process. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, if I'm thinking back, I'm trying to remember Roughly when we started working together, uh, do you remember what month that was? I think it was like that was, you, came to a, you came to us in like want to say want to say December. It was December of 2020. December of 2020. Okay, so it was like about halfway through sophomore year, right? Correct. Um, and so at the time, tell us like what had you already been doing up to that point as far as investment banking recruiting goes, and I assume you already started networking and prepping and doing some stuff. And like, how is that going like prior to Walsh National? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and, you know, I was definitely lucky to have known that I wanted to do finance coming into college. Uh, majoring in finance was super helpful for me. But to be completely candid, um, what, you know, a lot of my friends who go to other top target schools, um, you know, like, you know, any, any top target school talk about their degrees in finance. A lot of that stuff you learn in class doesn't really apply in the real world. Um, it, you know, whether it's investment banking, private equity, hedge funds, wherever you want to go. And so for me, you know, what I was doing to prepare early was, you know, obviously my finance classes were helpful, but more importantly, it was networking, reaching out. I always knew that investment banking specifically is a people job. And it's someone where, you know, at the end of the day, investment banks derive their value from the relationships they create across the street. And so for me, I knew that, you know, also being getting into some of these top competitive positions required having to know somebody at one of these shops. So I was just focusing on really building my network. Number one, um, number two was just kind of leveraging the resources of my school definitely was helpful. I think in terms of getting introduced to the more practical side of finance, valuation, accounting, et cetera. Um, wouldn't say it was exactly everything I was looking for. And I think it was a bit more of a one size fits all solution for me. Um, but that was really what I was doing prior to, to joining Wall Street Mastermind. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so, I mean, look, I think the most interesting thing about you from my perspective was uh, when you came to us and you first talked to us, uh, you know, we do a strategy session with everyone where we learn more about mm -hmm. what your recruiting goals are. Uh, what challenges you're having, 
why you're even looking for help, right? Mm-hmm. What really, what what really um, sticks out in my memory from that initial conversation was, um, I just remember thinking like, okay, this guy goes to a, to- a top target school. He sounds super sharp. At least when I was talking, he's just like I am now. I'm sure people can tell you're you're like a sharp dude, right? And you got good grades. You got good grades. Your resume pretty solid, right? And like you seem to just have your shit together, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times, I think if someone else has seen you, and they might be like, okay, well, this guy's this guy doesn't really need help, or he doesn't really need that much help, like. Mm-hmm. He, he's sense. probably going to get into banking anyway. In fact, I think I told you at the time, I was like, I'm sure you'll get into banking either way, right? And so I want to kind of delve into your mindset at the time. Like, why were you even looking for extra help? And I know you just said like, mm-hmm. hey, you were using the resources at your disposal already from school and things like that. And it was more of a one size fits all solution. What did you mean by that? And like, what was it that you were kind of looking for that you felt like maybe you didn't already have. Yeah, no, these are all super great points and great questions. Let's, let's just keep it honest. These are all table stakes, uh, everything you described. So the fact of the matter, like by definition, me using the resources that my university provided me, whether you go to a top target or a non-target school, um, at a non-target, you're obviously gonna have to hustle a lot harder to get access to those similar resources or similar um, networking circles. At the end of the day though, everybody's doing that. So I wasn't really setting myself apart by doing what everybody else was doing. Like by definition, there are a certain number of seats for my school. And if I'm going to do everything that everyone else is doing, then I'm not going to get one of those seats, most likely, unless I get lucky, right? And I'm not someone who likes to leave my life up to luck. Um, I really like to be as in control of my future as possible in a very positive way, recognizing there's just some things you can't control. Uh, That being said, really what I was looking for in the program was more of a specialized understanding around a couple of things. So number one, the ability to be able to talk to folks like Sam, as well as, you know, other, other, some of the um, other ambassadors who were like, uh, like some of the other coaches, Wall Street Mastermind coaches who exist um, within the program was extremely helpful for me. So that was the biggest thing was that getting that high touch um, feedback from whether it was Sam, Sam, you know, he was a bit more busy. So sometimes he wasn't always um, around because he has so much things to handle, but like a lot of the coaches, for example, were always being willing to answer my questions. I was able to bring up very unique situations to them that, you know, you wouldn't experience, whether it's a bad email or, you know, a consideration on who to contact, how one should go about contacting. Like you just can't get that kind of high touch feedback in, you know, a, a vault guide that, you know, your school might provide you. So that was really uh, the one of the biggest value props I saw in the program from Sam's Slack group that he's using right now, where you can really not only get feedback from the coaches, but also all the students who are currently recruiting and have recruited in the past, post their technical questions, post their behavioral questions in the general sort of portion of the Slack group on the general channel. And you get to see how people are learning, how people are answering and get just to understand the different use cases and types of questions that are coming up in real time, right? As opposed to the outdated stuff you see in the sort of BIWS or, or Volt guides. So that was the biggest value prop for me. Second as well was um, I really was a fan of the ATM sort of accelerated, accelerated um, technical mastery program that, uh, that Sam had. So it focused a lot less on sort of, I think a lot of folks, when they talk about like preparing for investment bank interviews, they think about, Oh, like modeling. And I have to know financial modeling. I really have to be able to like be an Excel whiz. I'll be real. I don't really know how to do a VLOOKUP. Um, but one thing I do know is understanding how the three statements fit together, how that works in terms of enterprise value, what goes into valuing company, what are the different valuation methodologies, how can one apply them to different industries, that deep level understanding without needing to understand how to be a financial modeler, but more importantly, understanding the very key conceptual understandings behind 
the financial underpinnings of all these different kinds of questions you're getting interviews, that was the most helpful for me. And the ATM program was extremely well put together and accelerated in a way where in the course of, you know, I want to say a month, if you're really dedicated, a few weeks, even um, you can really get yourself up to speed conceptually and be able to ace your technical interview questions without needing to have gone through, you know, tons of Excel modeling courses, but high level, those were the really biggest value props I was looking for out of the program. Got it. Okay. So you talked about a couple of things. You talked about one, the kind of that high level, high level or high touch feedback mm-hmm. kind of on demand 24 seven. Um, anytime you have a question, all you got to do is hop in a Slack channel and being able to talk to someone who's qualified, you know, our, all of our coaches have worked at top banks and working or work on the buy side and kind of know how the recruiting process works. So having that kind of just in your back pocket, obviously, like you just flip out your phone, send out a message. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the big value props for you. And then the other thing you mentioned is kind of the community aspect of it. You're not just mm-hmm. doing this on your own, but also you're going through it with all the other students, uh, both past and present. Some of them are alumni who are already working in banking, but everyone's cons- always helping each other out, asking questions, right. answering each other's questions. It's a community like where yeah. we call ourselves a wolf pack for that reason, where Yes, sir. Everyone's trying to succeed together. And so that was like really, really beneficial to be a part of, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is just kind of like learning the technicals in the most efficient manner possible. Yeah. And doing it differently than how most people are doing, which is like without any financial modeling courses, you have to do hundreds of hours of financial modeling practice and whatnot. Like you're actually learning the underlying concepts. And by <laughs> the way, just to kind of dispel this myth that's out there. Cause you had a bunch of interviews. Like how many, how many firms did you end up interviewing with? Do you, do you remember? Quite, quite a few. Let's think about this. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, upwards of 10, I think 10 to 12 interviews I had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with different 10 to 12 firms. different firms. Right. And some of the different firms. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of these firms are some of the top firms out there. We're talking like both mm-hmm. Mackie elite boutique firms. Yeah. And, by, and by the way, I was, I was focusing on my recruiting process very narrow. Like that's a narrow recruiting process. Some of my colleagues and friends at other schools, they were really casting their net wide with far more than 12 firms. So I was definitely on the, the, the shorter side. Right. And we'll touch on that in a second too. I'm going to come back to that, but you're interviewing with basically like only the top firms that are out there. Cause mm-hmm. like that was where you set the bar. Right. 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 Um, personally. And did you, did you ever get asked to build a financial model in any of these? <laughs> I wish like to, for all the myth, you know, people out there, I wish I could tell you I did. I never have received one question on an Excel model, or I've never been asked to screen share or break out an Excel model. If I was a bank post-banking you know, associate and I wanted to, that might be the case, but as an undergrad hiring, not a single question. Yeah. And so every, every interview though, what they did do is test you on your conceptual understanding. In fact, Absolutely. With a lot of the top groups, uh, elite boutiques, both brackets, oh, you know, even buy side, some of the buy side interviews that you have, they're not asking you like definitional questions of like, hey, what's not the at all. formula for this? They're asking you very open ended yes. like, application, conceptual type questions where you have to actually take what you know and apply it to like a real world situation, right. which is much, much, much more difficult to do. Right. Right. And not even, not even just application oriented, but almost feeding in behavioral elements to it. One of the you know biggest things I was asked to do was a really difficult question where no matter what I answered, the partner was going to tell me the, the opposite answer. And I was expected to be able to ask him, like, stand by my opinion, explain why I was right, as well as to ask him his opinion. And that what he told me was the reason I got the offer, because I was able to think outside the box and not just 
sort of accept it and try to like, you know, switch my viewpoint around, but stick by my opinion. And it speaks to exactly what you preach a lot in Wall Street Mastermind with Wolfpack is, yeah, you can nail all the technical questions, but if behaviorally you're not killing it, then you're most likely not going to get the offer. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's a great point. And so under, so so that was kind of what you're looking for, which is something that's different from what everyone else is doing. Right. That's going to give you a leg up on all of your peers at school who are already using all the school resources. Absolutely. You felt like you got that. The other thing though, going back to my point is like, I was very candid with you in our first conversation, mm-hmm. which is based on my assessment, I feel like someone with your profile, you can get into banking regardless with or without my help, right? And people might be surprised mm-hmm. to hear like, that I would tell you that because they probably think that, oh, I'm just here to gaslight people and tell them that, <laughs> uh, you know, without Wall Street Mastermind, you have no chance of getting, rank, uh, getting into banking. Um, in fact, I, I've seen people say that online and I'm like, that's just not our style. We're very- No, nah, it's just not true at all. And- so I told you that, but I think right. tying back to what you said earlier, you had you you were targeting a very narrow set of firms. Yes. And so the part of the reason I think why you decided to do this program anyway was that mm-hmm. your goal wasn't just to get into investment banking. You wanted only like the upper echelon, like the top firm, or the top yep. group. Yeah. Right? Can you kind of talk about that mindset a little bit? Like, yeah. Why not just? Why not just save the money and do it yourself? Because mm-hmm. let's be completely honest too. This investment in this, like we're not the cheapest program out there, right? We don't claim mm-hmm. to be, we're not trying to be, we don't want to be, we want to be the best program. And obviously, mm-hmm. this wasn't like a super easy investment for you and your family to make, right? Right. And so I feel like most people in your situation, if they're like, well, I can already get into get into banking anyway. Mm-hmm. And this is not the cheapest thing for me. I'm just going to, I'd rather just save that money and do something else. Right. So why did you still decide to invest in a program like this? Yeah. I think these are the unique mentality that you have. Yeah, no, these are all really, really important questions and and definitely a ton of great points you brought up. I'm kind of breaking this down. The first thing I thought about is that it depends on what, like, what, what is the mindset you have, right? I'm someone who really focuses on delaying short-term gratification for the long-term benefits. Um, really looking at, you know, what can I forego today, sacrifice today that I can gain a lot bigger tomorrow. So for me, I thought, you know, obviously you have to think about your priorities. A lot of my friends would be spending that money that I could be investing in the program, you know, going out and partying, drinking, or, or just, you know, spending it on anything they want. Um, for me, I knew that the most value additive investment I could make would be that in myself. I mean, Warren Buffett says it all the time. The best investment you can make is in yourself. And so for me, I really said to myself, okay, I know it's going to be a big investment. Sam was extremely like, you know, a, a helpful and supportive and just helping me work out how I'm going to go about like, you know, structuring, you know, the, the payments and stuff like that. But more importantly, it was really about devoting like the capital I did have to something that mattered. And so for me, speaking to the points of, yes, I could have gotten into banking by myself. What I was looking for though, was the top investment banks and the top buy side firms that I really wanted to target. And you will buy, like I said, you will by definition not get that result if you are doing what everybody else is doing, even at a target school, because let's be real, these top buy side and investment bank, buy side firms and investment banks are looking for the cream of the cream. 
So not only just the top target school kids, but the top kids among the target, target school kids. So if you're doing what every other target school kid's doing in my situation, you're just not going to get that result. You might get a middle market investment bank or something that's really sort of average, um, but you won't get that upper echelon of, of, of sort of firms. And so for me, to answer your question, you know, in short, it really comes down to my priorities. I want to prioritize my career, prioritize my long-term benefit, and prioritize myself um, as opposed to any short-term pleasures or kind of you know um, validation tools I could be getting now. Second being that I wanted to go above what was table stakes. And that was really what fed into my decision to want to do Wall Street Mastermind as opposed to just trying, trying to, to wing it on my own. Yeah. And I, and I would say just to add to that, obviously, I think there's a non-zero chance that you could have gotten into a top group on your own anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of times what I notice people, like people will say, well, I know so-and-so who got into this top group on their own without mm -hmm. the help. So... I'm just going to try to do it on my own anyway. All right. Well, right. I do it on my own too, because if they could do it, then I should. Yeah, but there's a lot of external factors that feeds that. You'll never know who has a family connection, who has the, you know, the extra help, who has a lucky interview that day. Um, so many factors that feed into getting a great offer. That, that's a good point too. And that's a different point than what I was going to make. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a good point too. In fact, it's funny because we get on calls with students sometimes and they're like, well, I don't know anyone that's used your program before. And then they come to the program and they're like, Oh my God, my, my friend, this person and that, I have like three friends that are in this program. I'm like, yeah, they can't <laughs> tell you about it because it's a comparative answer to them. They're not going to go out and tell everyone like, hey, you should do this program too. Mm -hmm. um, but like when you look at other people that are getting these results that you want, a lot right. of times you don't really know what happened or what allowed them to do that. Like, they're yeah. not There's a lot going on behind the scenes in any person's success. Right. So that, so that, that's a good point. But the point I was actually going to make is, look, mm -hmm. are you just looking for the fact that there's a non-zero chance that you can do something because anything is possible. Sure. But in this case, it sounded like your mentality is more like, I know I have a chance, but I want to maximize the probability Absolutely. of me getting into one of these groups. I want every mm -hmm. possible advantage or competitive edge that I can have over my peers. And so that's a, that's a very different mentality, right? It's like, mm -hmm. are you content with just, you know, the bare minimum or are you like, Hey, I want to take my best shot. I know I have one shot at getting into these firms and I mm -hmm. want to take my best shot at it. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of times that dude, like we're spending so much time talking about mindset. Like people might think like, mm -hmm. oh, the trick to you getting these offers was like something crazy with it on the technical side of the behavioral side. Yes. There's a lot of tactical stuff too. But I feel like a lot of times what really separates the winners and the losers in life, but not the losers, just the winners from people that are just above average is the mindset. It's what's up here. The, the wolf pack hustle is what we call it, right? <laughs> well, it's, 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 really, it's the way people make decisions. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's your making framework. Your input's mm -hmm. going to determine your output. And if your framework is flawed, then you're going to get a suboptimal output, Yeah. Right? And so I think dude, that was one thing that was really unique about you where, I mean, you're a young dude, like you're, you're, you're a second, second year college student, like um, mm -hmm. not a lot of people talk about things like delaying short-term gratification for the long-term and things like that. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think that, 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 that's really cool. Um, so yeah. let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about mm -hmm. like um, kind of like the recruiting process for you because Obviously, so you did like 10 to 12 interviews yep. and, and, <laughs> and you got 
you got multiple offers. I, I, mm-hmm. I remember you were you were listing out all the offers you got the other day. I think you got what <laughs> five or six offers. Uh, five. Yep. Actually, you got six. I wrote or them. six. Tech, sorry, six. Technically, you're right. Six. You got six. <laughs> I know the one you're forgetting. There was a firm. Yeah. <laughs> there was no, a- it was weird that, that, that there was one firm. Uh, I won't name it, but there was a firm that actually I had participated in uh, a general insight program for all students, regardless of background. And for some reason, they called me out of the blue to give me an offer without even interviewing, which was a really weird instance. Not, not, not a firm I was looking at at all in terms of my top choices, but very interesting experience. I will say that was, uh, that was something that I don't know if, <laughs> if that's ever going to happen to other people or, or why that was the case. Right, because that we won't name the firm, but that was like more of a you know upper middle market firm, right? Which is like yeah, yeah, below the bar that you had set of like mm-hmm, what you want mm-hmm. to target. And I remember you messaged me and saying, uh, this firm just gave me an offer on who I haven't even interviewed with them, and it was like super early yep. in the process. <laughs> no one else has started interviewing yet, and yeah. you're like, I'm not gonna take this, but I'm like, yeah, I don't think you should take this either. I think it was really <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience to say the least. I've actually never seen that before. Uh, I'll say like I, I I coached we've coached close to four hundred students at this point. I never seen anyone get an offer without interviewing at all. So that was pretty amazing. But yeah. uh, so you got six offers. Yeah, definitely would not bank on it. I guess advice always don't yeah. don't bank on that. I don't know why yeah. that was the case. Yeah, that was weird. Um, but so you got six offers along the way, um, and I think all the other offers you got were either like top like bulls bracket mm-hmm. or you got an elite boutique offer you got a couple buy side offers mm-hmm. um, correct what like how did you manage that entire process because a lot of times yeah. especially students like you who are getting multiple offers we all know how the recruiting timeline is accelerating nowadays everything's right. always pressuring you trying to get you that stuff right away they give you like two days three days a oh week my gosh. it's it's wild how did you <laughs> how did you manage to kind of like get so many offers and, and kind of mm-hmm. leverage that against each other. Like can you of course. give people some advice on yeah. how you were able to do that? Yeah, no, it, definitely. It's, it's an important question. I had to learn along the process. I think everyone does. Um, it's really just all about like stacking up your, you know, your bread, so to speak, and trying to figure out how you can leverage the opportunities you have uh, in front of you for better uh, offers and better opportunities until you get to a point that you're happy with. Right. Um, to, to be completely candid, I think there's two slices of the cake here. The one you're referring to is the accelerated process. This is something that I think during COVID, none of us expected that the interview processes would get pushed back this far. Like I said, I was lucky. I knew I wanted to do finance coming into school. I'd started networking pretty early on in freshman year to facilitate the infrastructure to allow that to, you know, myself to blossom when, um, when the recruiting process came along. And more specifically, what I mean by that is that I had contacts in the industry far long before people even considered starting to network a lot of, and I think the advice I'd have to give on that front is that a lot of folks, when they think about the recruiting process, think about, you know, let's just say the recruiting process, for example, this year really start to kick off in May of, sorry, excuse me, March of 2021. A lot of folks, for example, if this kicks off in March, will start to network around February. They may, the ambitious ones might start to network around January. I was networking in November of 2020. I was networking even pre-summer in freshman year. Do you have to go that far that back? No, I don't think you have to be asking for jobs when you are a freshman. That is a little bit off-putting. But what I really did to set myself apart in the accelerated timeline was looking to network, not for the sake of getting a job, but for the sake of building relationships and getting advice from people in the industry. That allowed me to succeed in the recruiting process because when it came along, 
I wasn't the kid who was hitting up, you know, a professional a week before the application was due and saying, Hey, can you push me into your, your process? Can you give me a referral? It was, Oh, I've known you for a year or I've known you for six months. I've known you for a few months. You're a great kid. You've gotten to know me as a person, not as just some sort of name on a paper, happy to put in a referral for you. And they offered to do that for me. Um, so that's the biggest piece of advice I have to folks who are looking to get in is start as early as possible. That's exactly the same thing I tell the people when it comes to doing the program at Wall Street Mastermind, start as early as possible. You can't start too early. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. At the same time, be diligent. Um, I'd say that's the biggest thing. In terms of just how to manage these competing deadlines, I think the number one thing is always trying to be like, understand that there is a hugely different mindset that firms have pre and post offer. This is something that I underestimated a lot. And kind of, you know, what I think I had to learn throughout the process was that pre-offer, you really are as disposable as possible. And even post-offer, that's, that's truth. But when a firm is interviewing you, you have to prove yourself to them. Yeah. When you get the offer from a firm, they have to prove themselves to you to take it. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten offers from firms and I've had just random MDs reach out to me, cold call me or email me saying, let's hop on the phone. And they try to sell you. And what that allows you to do is get leverage. And what that leverage allows you to do is ask for more time to decide if you know that you're a high value candidate. And even if you aren't still going for it, because what they, they're not, they're most likely not going to take away your offer unless you really, you know, excuse my French, unless you really fuck up. Right. Um, and, and then using that timeline to say, okay, you know, if I have a great offer from a bank, I can go to some other bank and say, Hey, listen, this firm is looking to take me on, you know, this firm is giving me an offer. I want to express my interest in you know, your firm as either whether it's your top choice or just my strong interest and understanding how you can express to them that, hey, this firm has already vetted me and has already thought that I'm really good, but I'm more interested in your firm, you know, firm B. So, you know, here, here's me and here's what I have to offer. And that firm is most likely going to give you an interview. In fact, with the current firm that I have an offer from right now and that I've accepted, um, that is exactly how I got my interview. I, I came to them with a competing offer at a very top tier competing shop. And I said, Hey, um, I have an offer from this shop. Can you, you know, what's your recruiting timeline look like a day later, I get a call from, you know, um, one of the analysts who's running recruiting saying, can you interview tomorrow? The next day I had an offer in hand. So I, th I hope that out outlines a little bit in terms of number one, how to get started early, but also number two, how to really leverage your opportunities to get an offer from one place, use that offer to leverage for another place, use that offer to leverage for another and another and another until you can keep going and get the offer you want. And then, you know, finally uh, put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I feel like obviously when you first came into the program, it was more our conversations between you and me or you and Edgar, who's, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. like, it was more around, um, you know, prepping for interview answers and, you know, mm -hmm. talking about best tactics and strategies when it comes to networking and this and that. And I feel yeah, like for the last maybe two months or so, most of our conversation has been about like, timeline management and yes yes that's a huge component offer against another offer and hey i just got this offer but like this deadline is you know is due it's exploding this time and i have this other firm that I really very very stressful stuff and, and this is part of the reason why wall street mastermind is such a great value prop because that kind of high touch feedback especially like when things are moving at a really rapid velocity you just can't get that from a vault guy at, at you know your school <laughs> but you get that from wall street mastermind right well and i think like um it's high touch but also like you don't want just high touch feedback from anyone you want right. high touch feedback from someone who's actually qualified to give you the feedback unfortunately most of the people that are qualified to give you the feedback they're busy working 80 90 100 hours a week of course they're not in the business of just you know being at your beck and call and and, and giving you advice anytime you need it right i mean how many right. times, how many times did you have a question that needed an urgent response to because 
the, the offer is exploding or, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, from the NV that you need to know how to respond to. And just being right. able to get a quick response to that, I think it's, it's crucial, right? Very crucial. Um, and I think the other thing that you talked about in terms of like, you know, leveraging, like, obviously, look, the stronger Canada you are, the more leverage you're going to have, right? Because I think you mentioned one thing mm -hmm. that's important, which is if you're a, like, high priority candidate for them, yeah. Um, they're going to be more inclined to cut you some slack or grant yes. you an extension. Because yes. I, I have seen people who ask for extensions and then get their offer through Cindy. Like that does happen. Right? Yeah, unfortunately. And you got to be very tactical with how you approach that, that thing. Yeah. It's very relationship-based. Yeah, and it's relationship-based, but also, yeah, so like part of that is like, how well have you networked with people at the firm? Is there someone on the inside that's like really pulling for you? Absolutely. And the other thing's like, if you perform really, really well during the interview, like let's say like, cause after every interview, they rank all the candidates. And so mm -hmm. even if you got an offer, there's a difference if you're like the top of that list, or if you're like a borderline person where like, if you don't want it, they'll just give it to the next guy that's on the wait list. Right. Right. If right. You're at the top of the list and you ask for more time, they're yeah. going to be more inclined to say, okay, like, well, let's just wait. Cause he's so much better than that first guy on the wait list. Like, and then that's something you honestly got to feel out as well, because, you know, it, it really, and I think the best thing, the best proxy for this is just the timeline and how they get back to you. If they're getting back to you same day or a couple hours later, you're more likely the top candidate on your, their list. If they're getting back to you a week later or a few days later, you're probably are a maybe for them. And maybe some kid decides to go with another offer and you're kind of their backup or, and, or they just need some more time to think about it and decide how many kids they were going to take. Um, yeah. but that's another thing you got to assess is like, okay, if they're giving me that offer super quick, I have a bit more leverage as opposed to if they're giving me the offer much later and I, I can tell that I'm kind of a maybe for them, I got to be a bit more conservative what I'm asking for. Yeah, no, I, yeah. that's a great point is that, um, one, one common question we get from students is like, how long does it usually take for me to hear back after the interviews? And I say, well, yep. it depends. How'd you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If, if you crush it's not, it's not just about how you do it, it's about how, how much they like you. Sometimes like, it's not yeah. even your fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, like if you crushed it or if you totally mm. just like screwed up, you're going to hear back pretty quick. That's like a right, hard question, right. hard no. And then for yeah. a lot of candidates, you're kind of like in that middle group. So maybe mm -hmm. they have multiple rounds of super days and they want to see like who else comes through the door before they get back to you. Then you mm -hmm. could be waiting for days, if not weeks, right? Yep, um, yep. Happened to me before. And also, you, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind, the biggest piece of advice I have for any student who's going through this recruiting process is, and this is not something that I was great at, is just learn how to be very level-headed. It's really hard though, really, really hard because this is a decision that you're making for like quite literally the start of your career. It's a very, very important job, right? Like this is a very life-defining moment, which is why Wall Street Mastermind exists because it's helping kids get through this extremely stressful time of getting their full-time job out of college which can sell themselves up for a year, like a lifetime's worth of success. And Sam, you spoke about this many times, but there's lots of ups and downs in the recruiting process. And one of the things you're going to have to get used to is getting ghosted a lot. <laughs> like oh. even for someone like me, I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, like I would say I was relatively successful in the recruiting process. Um, but there were times when like firms would just straight up not get back to me, completely ghost me. I still remember one firm, I won't name names, um, had, I think I want to say a five interview super day with me um, that Thursday. And had I had not heard, and I, I reached out to multiple people at the Super Day, multiple contacts I had at that firm. None of them even dropped me a peep, like not a single bit. They completely ghosted, and it was it was pretty hard on me just because like I'm like wow, like they would really do that. 
get used to it. Like life isn't fair and, and the world is, is a tough place. You're just going to have to get used to getting ghosted as well as the ups and downs that come with rejection um, and acceptance. And if you can just learn how to be very level-headed and, and just confident and understand what you're worth, um, you will be far better than I was in the Korean process. Yeah. Is it, is this that buy side firm that you interviewed with first? No, I was, it was a sell side firm. Oh, um, okay. Yep. Got it. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a great point. You got to have thick skin, dude. And, and yep. Uh, yeah, thick skin is just a necessity in this industry. <laughs> you, you can't be entitled to anything. Like nobody, nope. nobody feels like they owe you a response or yep. <laughs> not to mention an offer, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess um, one last question for you, because I think um, we, mm-hmm. we covered a lot of good stuff already, but yeah, um, I think a lot of students that are listening to this specific interview, they can mm-hmm. probably relate to you where they're a top shelf candidate. They're, they're, they're expecting to crush the process. We've already mm-hmm. talked about one thing, which is like managing uh, the timeline, right? And kind of like how, of to, how to like kind of leverage your offers against each other. But the other thing that I think would be really interesting for people to hear about is like, okay, so you got six offers. Obviously, we didn't even consider the first one. So let's talk about the other mm-hmm. five offers. So you have five yep. offers, right? Right. They're all from top banks or top groups, bulge bracket, there's some bulge bracket offers, some elite offer, uh, elite boutique offers, even some buy side offers. How, what Correct. went into your decision-making process when it comes to choosing which offer you wanted to take? Because I think mm-hmm. that was obviously a very tough decision. For, it's the first Absolutely. class offer, by the way. It was a tough, but it was yes, a tough, yes. it was a tough choice because there's so many pros and cons. Um, and, and honestly, sometimes it feels like you, 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 when you have too many options, <laughs> you don't know which option to go with, right? <laughs> and so like, what went into your decision-making process and ultimately like, why did you choose the offer that you chose? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really, look, and I hate to be this guy. I really do, but it actually depends. Um, I, you know, I hate that answer a lot from people, but what I will try to do is give you as much of a, a triangulated viewpoint on like what went into the decision, how that can be most helpful for, for future and, or, you know, current clients of Wall Street Mastermind. So a few things, right? The number one is obviously you got to think about your industry focus. Are you really looking for a generalist focus? Like, for example, a lot of my friends are gung-ho private equity, you know, folks, all they want to do is get to private equity. And if that's the case, I mean, it's a no brainer, get into private equity as early as possible. Um, and it depends on what kind of industry you're interested in. Are you more of a generalist? Do you just want to be a private equity investor who can analyze everything from a waste management company to a, you know, a high growth SaaS startup? Um, it, you know, it, it really comes down to that sort of slice of the cake. For me, I had a particular industry focus that I was focusing on, and that's where I targeted a lot of my recruiting efforts. My offers still ended up shaking out to, you know, by virtue of my recruiting efforts to be mostly technology focused firms, um, which is kind of the industry that I was focusing on. That being said, another thing you have to also consider as well is what what are the what what is the kind of work that you think is going to most lend itself to success? Specifically for me, and this is only for me. I did not care that much about culture. And the reason was because I kind of knew, especially at a place like the sell side, you're not going to be there for long. Um, Personally, I was okay with having a bit of a subpar culture, not to a terrible degree, but a subpar culture if it meant getting insane training ground experience and a great um, backbone and and a branding to be able to succeed later on. So because of that, I was a lot more focused on what would give me the best exit opportunities and the most leverage. Um, and that was really what a lot of went into my process because also I'm young. I want to preserve a lot of optionality. So that's a lot of what fed into my decision. Um, another thing I really did, I think this is a huge life hack 
for anyone going through the offer decision process, don't you, don't, I would actually say that the people who are currently at the firm are probably some of the worst people to talk. Like they're, they're great for getting to know the group, but in terms of like what it can provide you post that experience, cause let's be real. Most of the experiences you're going to be having coming out of wall street mastermind are going to be either summer or two year experiences that you're going to eventually leave out. Um, you want to get actually advice, not just from the people who are working at the firm and can give you the good, but ask people who left the firm. That was the biggest life hack I ever did, which was that getting to know people who actually did, you know, have left the firm already, ideally to very successful places, but also maybe not the most successful places and looking at what did they candidly think about? Because when you're at the firm, you kind of are a little bit forced to speak good on the firm, not have sort of a bad reputation. Um, you kind of always feel like you're being a little bit watched. Whereas once you've left the firm, there are no ties, no strings attached, and people can be super candid about how they felt about the firm, what they thought about the place, what kind of opportunities exist coming out of that firm, as well as what the culture was like, especially when it comes to culture. If you're not someone like me and you really do care about culture and that matters to you, um, no better way to figure out the culture than to speak to people who've actually left the firm. Um, they will give you their most candid feedback. And I'd say that a combination of all those things, which is number one, industry focus, number two, speaking to people who've left the firm, and also number three, figuring out what are your what are the things that you're looking for from you as exit opportunities, figure out which would give you the best. That's really what fed into my decision of choosing the best offer. Yeah. And so you ultimately, and by the way, I think it's I think it's interesting um, that you mentioned I don't like you prioritize culture lower on your list and you care more mm-hmm. about the training. Uh, the exit opportunity and things like that. As you were saying, I was like, well, yeah, of course you do. Because just like you said earlier, you're more about delaying short-term gratification for the long-term. So absolutely. That, it's a two degree, right? Like you, you can't, you can't go too hard on it and just like hate your life for two years. Like there's a difference, but I think like you have to be, you have to be, uh, it's a delicate balance you got to have. And that just comes down to knowing yourself, which is why I hate the answer, but it depends, right? On what you, what, you, what kind of person you are. No, you're absolutely right. And there's no right or wrong. I'm not saying the way you looked at it was right. And if someone else prioritizes culture over everything else and they're wrong. I had yeah. a different client that recently just, um, turned down offer from a, an elite boutique. I won't name names. An mm-hmm. elite boutique that's known to be very sweaty. He had a <laughs> shop to go to another elite boutique and as much happened. Yep. And he literally turned down that offer, which arguably most people would say has a better name, has better exit opportunities for an, another firm where he just gelled with the people a lot more. And that yeah. was the most important thing to him. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, it comes right. down to really knowing who you are and what's mm-hmm. going to make you happy, right? Absolutely. And, and, I, and I was personally lucky enough to find myself a place that actually had both. It was surprisingly that not only the firm that had the best exit opportunities also had the best mentorship and people who I knew there who I really gelled well with. Um, I will say that also in terms of the short, like delaying short-term gratification, pay was not that much of an issue for me. And I would actually, you know, I mean, obviously it depends on what kind of person you are. Um, I would argue and I would sort of advocate and, and then my advice to people would be that I wouldn't worry too much about pay in the short term. Uh, and the reason being is this, I think I see a lot of really talented people coming from folks like, you know, from places like my school, from great other, you know, top target schools who are really all they care about is just making as much money as humanly possible when they're 22. That's great. I think you could definitely ball out for a little bit if that's your thing, but let's be real. You're never going to make the most amount of money um, at the age of 22. You're probably going to make your peak income at the age of 30, 28, 29, 32, in that range, 40, it could depend, right? But later on in your life for sure. And I would rather trade off the short-term income for the branding, most importantly, and as well as the training and the mentors you can get at a young age, which can put you in a position to reap the rewards of income far later in life 
um, or not far later, but like, you know, a little bit later in life, then trying to, you know, over index for income now get a great paycheck, but maybe not have the best branding, maybe not have the best man- mentors and exit opportunities that can set you up, set yourself up well for a really sick opportunity later in the future. So that was definitely something that I would sort of advise, but obviously, you know, teach their own. That's, that's a really good point. I, I thought about the exact same way when I was coming out of school and that's mm-hmm. not advice with you, but now that I'm thinking about the list of firms that you got offered from, if I look at it, right. I would venture to guess that the offer you ultimately ended up accepting is probably not, not definitely not in the top two in terms of compensation. No. No. Maybe not even in the top three, depending. I don't know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's on the lower end of that group of firms that you got offered from. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, though. It's like, if I... If we measure career trajectory by earnings, I'm not saying that's the only thing, but right, right. use that as the as the KPI. Um, do you want your earnings trajectory to look like this, where it starts out a little bit higher, but it's flatter over time, or do you want it to look like this, where uh, like this, where maybe you're paid a little <laughs> bit lower in the beginning, but the slope is steeper, right? I can't yep. use that much, but yeah, no, so flexible guy. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, but but like that, that's really what it is. And what you're saying is just, hey, you're, right. you're thinking more about the slope of that right. and how can you make that as steep as possible, even if that means you make a little bit less up front. And, and let's be real, like making yeah. a little bit less up front, you're still going to be very comfortable. Yeah. And also it doesn't even matter so much when you're young because you are you don't have a family. You don't have like, you know, kids. You're, you don't have all these fixed assets that you need to pay mortgage on or whatever. And, and, you know, you're, you're really are just a, a young, dumb idiot. You know, I'm, I would consider myself one. Right. And so, you know, when you're, when you're that, you can really afford to maybe not be the most rich guy on the block and, and forego some of that short-term gratification. Yeah. Well, look, we're talking about like, you know, $10,000, $20,000. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Which is again, you're still going to be very comfortable at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not a life changing amount of money. Like you said. Definitely so. not. Definitely not. Man. Good stuff, dude. I mean, honestly, hey, thank you so much, Sam. I think this conversation, I mean, this interview is a bit different from a lot of the, the client interviews that we do. I feel like mm-hmm. we talked a lot more about like mindset and mentality and, mm-hmm. and just like decision-making frameworks. And um, mm-hmm. I just really want to let other people get inside your head a little bit and see how mm-hmm. you think about these things. Because I think um, it's something that a lot of college students can really learn from and just kind of model their thinking after. Um, and so this has been, I think, a super helpful interview for our listeners. At least I nice. hopefully they agree. But guys, if you're listening hopefully. to this and this resonates with you, maybe you know you're already a pretty good candidate, but you're just not the type of person who's content with just being above average or just you know saying, hey, I have a non-zero chance of getting what I want. But you're the type of candidate who's like, hey, this is really important to me. Where I start my career is going to determine the slope of that trajectory like we talked about. And you want to take your best crack at that you know you want to make your only shot your best shot um then i want to encourage you guys to reach out to us and see if it's a fit i'm not saying it's going to be a fit sometimes it is and sometimes it is and we won't know and you won't know until we actually have a conversation around what your goals are what challenges you feel like you need help with where can you still get better and like i said we'll be very very candid with you just like we were with kelly we're not gonna tell you something that you know isn't true like if we feel like this is what you can do. We'll tell you exactly what that is, right? With us and without us. And uh, you can make a determination if that's worth the investment to you. And even if not, I think you'll walk away from the conversation, at least just with some 
valuable insights and takeaways and we'll give you some advice on you know what we think you could do better right and so if you want to do that um, i would encourage you to just go and book a free strategy session with us you can do that at www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply uh the streets abbreviated to sp by the way couldn't get the couldn't get the darn domain when i bought it so wallstreetmastermind.com Slash it's, it's shorter for them to remember. So hopefully that's, that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to you guys. All right. So with that said, um, Kelly, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk. Well, to Sam, thank you, man. Yeah. Can't, can't, I can't advocate highly enough for this, this program. It's been, it's been very life-changing for me and, and really would say that I advise anyone to do it. Who's really looking to maximize their chances. I, I appreciate that, man. And, and look, I love working with students like you because, Honestly, it just makes it look good, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for making me uh, doing the same for me. So I really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. That'll be it for this episode. We'll be back with more of these for you guys in the future. And uh, hopefully we get to talk to you soon. All right.